Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Ardena Osman, here with my friend Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masakha Ta'anit, daf Chafbet, page 22. So we continue with a lot of very nice uh, stories. Um, and I want to uh, talk about one about Rabbi Baroka and Eliyahu. So um, this sort of continues with the theme of yesterday that I was very intrigued by, sort of this idea of the extraordinary things that ordinary people do. Rabbi Baroka Choza Lapat. So Rabbi Baroka Choza was often found in the market of Beit Lefet. And one time Eliyahu would appear to him. Now, there's many stories. This is sort of a theme um, of uh, Eliyahu sort of visiting people um, in uh, marketplaces. Um, and I think, uh, you know, part of this story is, is it's kind of the idea of like Eliyahu being with the common man. Um, and being that Eliyahu is a person who we say visits us during a Seder, comes to every Brit Milah, right? We have that Kisei Eliyahu. There's something about who Eliyahu is as a prophet. And again, this really goes beyond our, uh, uh, our podcast, but just something to think about where he sort of is often seeing, interacting with people in very sort of human, every day-to-day life scenarios. And so one place that we often find him is in the market. And so, uh, so what happens to him? So Amar Lay, so Rabbi Broka basically says to Eliyahu, Ika shuka bar alma da'ate. So he says, is there anybody here in this shuk who's going to merit the world to come? Amar Lay, lo. He says to him, no. Right? And then, and so Ravi Broka basically notices that there's a man in the marketplace wearing black shoes, which apparently was not what Jews normally wore. That wasn't the Jewish custom. And who wasn't wearing tachelet, right? The, the blue part of the tzitzit on his garment. And so then Eliyahu turns to Ravi Broka and says, oh, that man, the one with the black shoes and not wearing the tachelet, that man is actually worthy of the world to come. Rahab Batre. So Rabbi, so now what's interesting is um, Eliyahu doesn't tell him, you know, what, what, you know, why that is. Rabbi Broka has to sort of find that out. So he runs after him. Amrle Ma Ovatra. So he says to him, he says, What what do you do? Amrle Zil Hadana, Vitalamachar. So he says to him, go away, basically meaning like, I don't have time to talk to you now, but come back tomorrow. So the next day, Rabbi Broka comes back and he says to him, what, what do you do? Right? So he says, I'm a Zandukna, I'm a prison guard. And I always make sure that men and women are kept separately. And I put my bed between them so that, you know, nobody will come to do anything they're not supposed to do. And when I see a Jewish woman who the non-Jews have set their eyes on, I basically am Moser Nefesh, right? I, I risk my life to save her. One time there was an engaged young woman, right, who these non-Jews had their eyes set on. And so I took dregs, right? We've, we've learned about the dregs of wine before, of red wine. 
and threw them on the lower part of, of her dress, basically, right? And I basically said to them, she's menstruating. So very curious story, right? So he basically hatches this plan to basically keep these non-Jewish you know, non non -Jew, non prisoners away from this Jewish woman. Again, it's totally not clear why any of these people are put into prison at all. Um, and it, the, the story is basically sort of how he went out of his way to sort of make sure that things in the prison ran in a way that was ethical and moral and that people, we know that prisons, at least in the modern world, tend to not be places always of great morality. And he tried to make sure that, that this prison that he ran did. Then the story goes on. Amarle, Ravi Broca says to him, So he says to him, how come you don't wear the threads? Meaning, why aren't you wearing the tzitzit correctly? And why do you wear black shoes? Amarle, so he says this because I go back and forth. I come and go with, with non-Jews. Right? And, um, and I don't want them to know necessarily that I'm a, that, that I'm a Jew. And so part of that is, is that what he says is that when they issue a decree, meaning when the non-Jews are going to say like, I don't know, you have to stop learning Torah, you can't keep Shabbos, one of these decrees that we learn about, he will find out about it earlier because he's dressed as a non-Jew. People think he's not Jewish. And he therefore goes and tells the Chachamim and then they pray and then the decree gets annulled. And so, and he says, what is the reason that when I said to you, Nevrabi, when I said to you, what's your occupation? What's your And you said to me, I can't tell you now. You need to, you know, come back to me tomorrow. So he says at that moment, there was a new Gezerah that came out. And I said, I have to really go first tell the rabbis. Um, and then I, you know, and then I can come, you know, and then I could come back and, and I could talk to you. So, uh, you know, I also found this story to be interesting because I don't think we've seen too many stories where there's a notion of sort of somebody passing themselves off as a non-Jew. I think that's a very particular thing that we see in a lot of Holocaust um, uh, stories or how people got saved. That's not a particular theme that we see in the Gemara. Um, and I, this is really the first I've ever seen of this in Talmudic literature. That's more just because, like, I haven't learned all the Talmud yet. Um, but it's, you know, <laughs> very interesting to see sort of this notion and its praise that sometimes, like, hiding yourself of being Jewish, and I'm, we're recording this over Hanukkah in particular, where I think this week is sort of the opposite of this story, uh, is very interesting. Um, and then finally... I think, to, I think yeah. something like this showed up in Erevin. Um I am not quick to remember all of the details that we have seen in all of these dopping that we have seen in the nearly two years that we've been doing this. But I feel like there was, you know, there was a good amount of interaction between Jews and non-Jews in Erevin. And I feel like at some point in there, there was a discussion of, you know, who's going to think you're Jewish if you do this? Um, yes, not to that, this degree, yes, not I this specifically. Remember, right. But not to this degree of being like that you purposefully dressed a certain way. So you didn't know, like, this is very, this is a real plan. But I I, I, rem I don't remember right. that, but I know what you're referring to. Um, and then finally, just to sort of, uh, you know, end this story, right? In the meantime, the, the two other brothers came 
to the market. Amar Lei, and Eliyahu says to Rabbi Baroka, Hanach Nami B'nei Alma Da'ate Ninhe. He also says these two are going to have a share in the world to come. Azal Gabai, so Rabbi Baroka goes over to them. Amar Lehu, this is actually a pretty, very famous Gemara. He says to them, Mai Uvatchu, right? What is it that you do? Amar Lei, Inche Baduche Anan. We are jesters, Mabdichinin Atsive. Right, and we cheer up the depressed. So this is the story of like, now I'll just confess with everybody, my secret uh, job that I would love to have is to be a stand-up comic. We can discuss that another mm-hmm. time. But I, I love this idea that sort of like the people <coughs> who are the people who, who tell jokes, who are funny, <laughs> right? And then who, it says, who Enoch, cheer people up. It's right? not just that they're funny. I it's know, the accomplishment. It, it, it's a great Gavar. Enami, there's an alternative with this, right? That if they saw, if they alternatively, if they see two people who have a quarrel between them, we strive to make peace. So it for, was this for type of behavior, for cheering up people who were depressed, for always trying to make peace between people that, you know, they also merited um, the world to come. And again, I think the theme here, if we think about yesterday and today, that, you know, when we often think about, I think, like sort of modern observance, which tends to be very Shabbos, Kashra, dress heavy, none of this is talking about that, right? Like these are really what we would talk about. It's Midos heavy. Like it's really about how we conduct ourselves as a person. None of these relate the stories from yesterday today to a particular mitzvah, but it's more just like a general attitude towards life of, you know, are you a moral person? Are you an ethical person? And, and do you try to elevate the people around you? Um, you know, but I think we'll have to continue to pay attention to these sort of Eliyahu with the common man uh, stories that we tend to see in the Talmud. Okay. Um, I want to come back to Halacha, actually, um, because the next bit talks again about, well, of course, it's going back to the Mishnah, and the line from the Mishnah that it's talking about is specifically, al-elumetri'in b'chomakom, Meaning these are the things, the the bad things that could happen where they would call out and they would blow chauffeur and they would do whatever they can do, right? In every place. Meaning this is getting into the question of how bad is which kind of calamity and can, do you break Shabbos to sound the alarm? Do you, what do you have to do? So this is, this is the initial discussion. And right now I'm reading, I think really right after where you just were, Yardina, on Ahmed Aleph. But I'm going to jump afterwards to Ahmed Bet because the Gemara itself kind of, you know, it weaves its way through. But the part that I want to talk about uh, skips a bit. Um, so here it goes. Tanar Rabbanan al elu matriin b'chol makom al hashidafon v'al yirakon v'al arba arbe v'chasil v'al chayav ra'a. So this we we already talked about it, right? That in every place, what would they sound the alarm for? Namely, specifically for blight, for mildew, for locusts, for caterpillars, right? These are specifically those that would swarm. And Rabbi Kiva has a different opinion. Rabbi Kiva mer al shidafun So for the blight and the mildew, yes, they sound the alarm for any amount. I imagine that that puts their food stores in danger. And then, but for the locusts, for the caterpillar, then they would say, he says, even if it's just one wing of one of these bugs, meaning then you can fear the swarm coming. So Rabbi Kiva here, so the discussion here, Rabbi Kiva's position is more specific, I would say, than the more general statement by Chazal. In fact, just they say in every place that you sound the alarm. And he says, 
you know, for the for the smallest amount of any of these things, you would sound the alarm. So then if we skip down to I'm a bet, let's find it. No, uh yeah, sorry. Um if we skip down to I'm a bet, we have um how far down? A third of the way down, maybe. This is a story, but it's telling the story of the halacha, right? Where the, the Zakanim, the elders, left from Jerusalem. They went back to their respective cities, and they decreed a, a fast everywhere, right? Why? Because there was blight. And they we know that the blight was seen in Ashkelon, and it was the amount, and this is going to, the details are about to, to be to be mentioned, it was the amount to fill the pihatanor, the mouth of the oven. And then this is where it gets tricky and complicated and messy. And it's a kind of debate. It just sounded so um, contemporary to my ears about how people today, nowadays, in our days, you know, all over the world, there's differences of approach to how bad each different thing that we might possibly be worried about might be. And we're going to see that here. Ibailahu kemlota or tanor odilma kimlo tanor pat. Are we talking about the amount that of the grain that would fill the entire oven, or did they mean enough grain to make bread that would fill the entire oven? Meaning, how much blight do you really have to see before there's a cause for concern? Maybe that's not enough. Maybe it needs to be more. Maybe it needs to be less. And this, of course, is the machlokut. So the Gemara goes on, Tashma kimlo piatanor. When it says to fill the mouth of the oven, right? That's what the Gemara is talking about. It says it's not talking about filling the entire oven but rather that it would cover the amount of the oven. And then you still have the same debate. Is it the amount, the amount to make the bread, or is it the amount, um, or is it just like a, a row of bread around the oven? right? And the Gemara here concludes with teku, meaning this is a kind of debate of when are you supposed to sound the alarm that we're going to call it really bad as opposed to just bad, or really, really bad as opposed to just really bad. And and the Gemara says, yeah, we can't give you a definitive answer for that. Teku. We don't know. And I feel like this is exactly the concern, like, you know, variance and different, you know, different rates of, I don't know what, increase, all different kinds of things with Corona. We talk about Corona, and then one person's going to say, oh, my goodness, that's much too much. We must change what we're doing. And the next person says, it's not such a big deal. This is not yet dangerous. Don't worry about it just yet. And this is exactly the same kind of debate um, as we see here. The Gemara then goes on to talk about the other cases that were in that Mishnah, like the wolves that ate the children, or did they really eat the children? Or was it just that they were seen and therefore they would worry about them, right? And then the Gemara goes on, and this is perhaps the most um, significant and I feel, you know, salient to our modern day as well. These are the ones, these are the calamities that we would break Shabbat for to sound the alarm. If your city is such that it is surrounded by by non-Jewish troops, meaning soldiers, or a river, right? Meaning there's a a, a river is overflowing, or non-Jewish troops. Either way, that's that's immediately dire consequences, and you should sound the alarm. And likewise, we're talking about you know if you've got a ship that's um, having a difficulty at sea, or you've got an individual who's being chased by by non-Jews or by thieves, right? Um, or, and then this is also, this this last one here is perhaps a little bit less on our radar nowadays. If there's a evil spirit chasing such a person, 
then we say, then you sound the alarm. You want to make sure that we can put this calamity to rest, even though it's Shabbat, you stop it in its tracks. You do everything you can. And in each one of these cases, the individual can, can take on a fast, meaning it's not a communal fast. There's no communal fast decreed for these days for this kind of calamity, but the individual who's at risk here could certainly do so. But then Rabbi Yossi says, no, Rabbi Yossi Omer, he says, if you would afflict yourself, if you would take on a fast, then you might be too weak to work. And then, then everybody else is going to be annoyed that they have to, you know, do the work on his behalf and they will not have mercy on him, meaning they will not come to his aid under these kinds of dire circumstances. My time at Rabbi Yossi. So what's Rabbi Yossi's concern? He's actually taking the, from the words of Breshit, where it says a person is a living soul. The idea is that, according to Rabbi Yossi, then, meaning God gave each person a soul, and then we have the job to sustain it. We have a job to make sure that we keep us keep ourselves going as best as we can and not to fast unnecessarily even in a time where people, you know, have a need. And then the Gemara goes on to talk about and some of the names we've seen before and so on. But, you know, can you cry out on Shabbat for Dever, right, for pestilence? And Shimon HaTimni says, yeah, HaTimni says yes, you should um, fought, cry out on Shabbat for pestilence. But Chazal said, no, you do not cry out for for uh, pestilence on Shabbat, but you would on the weekday. But Rabbi Akiva says, no, you wouldn't even cry out for pestilence ever. Meaning, this is not the kind of thing that matri'in, that you go that far in your in your need for prayer. So, uh, the maybe I'm because it it just struck a chord with the contemporary experience. But I feel like this this debate of you know how how far do we go? Do we break Shabbos for this concern? We do that concern. Are we in danger yet? That's what it really seems to me to be asking. Are we in danger yet to the degree that we need to cry out, that we need to drop everything, that we need to break Shabbat? Or, you know, do we not go that far yet? Shall we hold off because it's not that bad or it's not the kind of thing that ever gets that bad? And the answer here is it's throughout is there are debates about this and it's not an easy resolution, which I found to be, again, very contemporary. So I, you know, I think it's interesting to see sort of throughout these DAPIM, what was sort of considered to be a situation that, you know, required uh, prayer, fasting, crying out, and what those situations would, would be today. Like, again, the pace of the DAP is fast, but I almost would want to sit down and sort of plot it out. Like, this is fasting, this is prayer, this is crying out. Um, and are there modern day scenarios to this and how to re react, react to those things? And, you know, like you said, Anne, I think this Gemara is even more poignant or these last few Dapim have been because we are living through something that feels it has that type of urgency as some of the things that are discussed on these Dapim. And with a lot of Machloket. Yes, and with Machloket, right. It's sorry. And I think that's the interesting piece is to see the Machloket about it, right? That that even that would even be part of the mapping out. And does it give us sort of an overall view of different Tanayim or Amoraim's view of the world, right? Like, what does it say about them that they feel like this is worthy of crying out or this isn't worthy of crying out? And 
I think that also speaks to the human experience that each of us can go through difficult things or observe difficult things in the world, but we internalize them in very different ways. And how. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell, tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.